Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke 19. If you are willing and able, would you please stand as I read verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. It's my joy to open God's word to you today. As we begin, let's pray. Our Father, we simply ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear and feet to follow for the glory of Christ. Amen. The story of Zacchaeus up a tree is actually one of the best known of all the encounters that Jesus had with men and women. Many of you know the song sung by children. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Preachers often quote Charles Spurgeon. He's called the prince of preachers. And he preached in the mid to, 18, mid to late 1800s. He had a class teaching young men to preach. And sometimes on the spot, he would assign a student a biblical test and ask him to deliver an extemporaneous short sermon that followed the outline of the text. One day, it was the turn of the shortest member of the homiletics class. Spurgeon, kindly or otherwise, gave him the account of Zacchaeus. And I just realized this morning that Tyler gave me this passage. (laughs) Well, the student was scared to death He walked to the pulpit, he opened his Bible, and he read the text in Luke. And then he said, my sermon has three points. First, Zacchaeus was a little man, and so am I. Zacchaeus was up a tree, and so am I. Zacchaeus made haste to come down, and so will I. And that was his sermon. Let's look at this little man. Zacchaeus is well known for a number of things. The passage tells us he was small in stature. In many cultures, short people have not been highly esteemed. Let me share with you about some shorter people who stand out amazingly among the peers in their field. I'll take one of the least likely fields to excel, and that is sports called one of the greatest athletes of all time, an American gymnast, most decorated ever American gymnast with 30 Olympic and 
World Championship medals, Simone Biles stands a whopping four feet, eight inches tall. Then you take football, soccer. Most followers consider one player to be the greatest of all time. He is generally the shortest player on the field, standing at 5'7". He's the six-time winner of the Ballon d'Oro, the golden ball in soccer. His name is Lionel Messi. Okay, for baseball fans, there is the Houston Astros' second baseman. An amazing story of perseverance. The man many said would never be able to play professional baseball, and he helped lead his team to win the World Series in 2017, and he was also named the American League MVP. Now, for baseball fans who are here, I know the Astros um, have had some issues, let's say, with ethics, but you have to admit that Jose Altuve was outstanding. Closer to home, we have our own David Castor, and I have my permission to mention him today, although he doesn't know what I'm going to say. David's not tall. I will simply say this. David is the biggest man I know. David has a huge heart that Maggie was talking about and is tireless in gifting of his time and his talent and his treasure for blessing others. Well, back to our story. The average height for a man in New Testament times was probably about five and a half feet. Zacchaeus is thought to be about five feet, maybe less. He was likely um, disliked by everybody in the city, not because he was short, but rather because of one other thing. Verse two, he was the chief tax collector and he was rich. He worked not for the IRS, but for the RRS, the Roman Revenue Service. We know the people had many taxes at that time. Taxes are not something that's new to our day. They were, there were custom taxes, import taxes, export taxes, crop taxes, sales taxes, property taxes, special taxes when there was a war. And of course, for Herod to build all of his extravagant temples, there were more taxes. This is what we know about tax collectors. They were Jews who worked for Rome. Rome would give them quotas, so to speak. And the tax collector could then raise what was expected, but he was free basically to extort the people and businesses um, whatever he wanted to. Tax collectors were hated by the people. They were bullies. They were considered traitors. Zacchaeus might have been called the Jericho mobster. Zacchaeus was Ebenezer Scrooge and Bernie Madoff wrapped together. If we were making a movie today, his character would be played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> Zacchaeus is perhaps the most hated of all men, and this little man was on a mission that day. He had an occupation, but he also had a preoccupation. Verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Before talking about the mission of Zacchaeus, let me tell you how it was that there was even a tree 
to climb in that city. Jericho was the most important city in the world, or one of them, certainly, and has been called the oldest city on earth. You recall that the city was well known because the Israelites, when they entered in under Joshua, they came into the promised land, and this was the first battle. This was their first victory against the Canaanites in Jericho, where the walls fell down. And of course, there's another children's song about that. Jericho was a major trade city and very large. It was just west of the Jordan River and just northwest of the Dead Sea. It is on the edge of the desert and wilderness, but the city was built next to a very large oasis. Jericho in Hebrew actually means fragrant because of all the balsam and the citrus and other plants that were grown there. And in the time of Jesus, it was a resort city. In fact, in 35 BC, the Roman politician Mark Anthony gifted Jericho to Cleopatra of Egypt. Herod the Great built one of his many palaces there in Jericho as his winter retreat. So we know that in Jesus' day, this city was very vibrant and lush with many trees. Even today, you can see sycamore trees in Jericho. Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus in Jericho. He chose to place his parable of the Good Samaritan on the road to Jericho. And Jesus now chooses to perform the miracle of the rebirth of Zacchaeus in Jericho. So Jesus has just entered Jericho. And we're told that he is passing through. Back to our point, this small man, he was on a mission that day. Zacchaeus obviously had heard of Jesus and the stories. Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree in order to see him. Zacchaeus wants to know more about Jesus. He's willing to even climb a tree to do that. Zacchaeus climbing this tree would have been most undignified for an adult in that day. For him to run would have been uncommon and unbecoming for a man of his station in life. Here he is, perhaps the most hated man in the entire town. He's up a tree seeking to see who Jesus is. Here is a man who had the world before him, certainly one of the richest men in the city, but there was a longing. There was a hole that was not filled. He probably had few friends and any friends may have just wanted something from him. And he's on a search. What about us? Are you searching for more than you are experiencing in life right now? Where are you looking? There are indeed lots of places to look that will lead only to more pain and lostness. If you look for Jesus, if you look at Jesus, what are you going to see? You will find truth and love and compassion. Let's see more here. Let's go from the little man on a mission to our great Jesus, who was also on a mission that day. Certainly, he was focused on heading to Jerusalem. We know that. 
And within days, he was facing the cross, but he was also on a mission that involved encountering Zacchaeus. How is Jesus going to respond to the hated tax collector up the tree? Verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Here we have Jesus looking up at Zacchaeus in the tree. He calls him by name. He tells him to come down. And he says, I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus does not invite Jesus. Jesus tells him that he is going to his house. Zacchaeus was just wanting to see Jesus. And he got far more than he thought was going to happen that day. Jesus initiates the face-to-face -face encounter. By Jesus going to his house and by the customs we know, they are certainly going to dine and to dialogue. Jesus and Zacchaeus, the two men on their missions that day, Zacchaeus was lowly esteemed by everyone, but not by Jesus. In verse 9, he esteems Zacchaeus even by saying, he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus wins his heart. He calls him into relationship with himself. How does Zacchaeus respond to Jesus? Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. The life of Zacchaeus just changed immediately and forever, turned upside down. There's no hesitation. Zacchaeus is called and he responds with joy. And I love this. And it really demonstrates something very important from Tyler's message last week in the previous chapter of Luke about the rich young ruler. He thought he should be rewarded for living a righteous life. Those listening in on this dialogue that day of Jesus and the young man finally said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. The truth that all is possible with God is demonstrated powerfully in this amazing conversion of Zacchaeus. Far different from the rich young ruler who had said he kept all of the law, Zacchaeus had connived and cheated people out of their money. Everyone would have thought that he, Zacchaeus, was the least likely candidate to experience a relationship with God. But that is exactly what happened. Jesus sought him out. The impossible happened in the life of Zacchaeus. Jesus called the rich young ruler, come follow me. The rich young ruler did not. Zacchaeus did. He came down out of that tree. What about us? Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? Did you respond? Do you now follow Jesus? I know many of you have, and the truth of the impossible happening has been real in your life, and it's been real in my life. In a minute, we will see more of the change in Zacchaeus. But still looking at our great Jesus, let's ask, how did the people respond? Verse 7, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man 
who is a sinner. He sure did. Jesus was often criticized by the spiritual leaders for spending time with the sinners. He reached out to the down and outers, those of ill repute, the outcasts, the tax collectors. But let's see how Luke, the writer, presents tax collectors on the whole. Luke mentions tax collectors six times in his book, all of them positive. But society did not even consider them human. In chapter 3, the tax collectors were coming to be baptized by John. In chapter 5, Matthew, the tax collector, was called by Jesus to be an apostle. In chapter 7 and 15, tax collectors were gathering to hear Jesus teach. In chapter 18, Jesus told the parable about the humble tax collector. And now, in chapter 19, Jesus calls the chief tax collector by name, Zacchaeus, and he goes to his home. And the people grumbled. It was scandalous. The people were self-righteous. Jesus did not reach out to a good person, but rather to a person who was pretty, pretty lousy. But he was humble. Other religions and philosophies say, be good. They say the supreme being is making a list and checking it twice. All of them say, do good and be rewarded at the finish line. Christianity says you'll never be good, but here is the bread of life. Here is the light of the world. Here is Jesus, and he pays a price for us, and he gives to us salvation. Zacchaeus was up a tree all alone. He was the scum of the earth, and Jesus loves him. What about us? Would others struggling in life be welcome here with us? Would they be welcome in our homes? The gospel is scandalous. The gospel is for outsiders and outlaws and sinners. That is who we are before being encountered by Jesus. Jesus turns it all upside down. Let's see how Jesus changed one man. Let's see the amazing result in the life of the man hated by all. Verse 8 says this, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You see the most corrupt man in the city changed by this encounter with Jesus, changed by experiencing grace. Zacchaeus responds by giving generously. We don't know the questions that Zacchaeus and Jesus had for each other that day or the questions that even Zacchaeus may have been asking himself in that house visit by Jesus. Was it, how much is enough? How do I stop spending it on myself or when? What am I teaching my kids? And there's no reason to think that Zacchaeus did not have a family. What we do know is the result of new life. What we know is that there was a radical change, a new creation that said, I'll give half to the poor and I'll pay back four times. And there was joy. Money can be a terrible ruler over us. Tyler said that last week. And he said, we have money to steward for God's kingdom. 
Jesus had told the rich young ruler to give it all away. He could not do it. He worshiped his stuff. That was his identity. Obviously here, Jesus did not tell Zacchaeus to divest himself of everything. Zacchaeus was immediately freed, however, from his love of money. If he had wrapped his identity in his money and was worshiping it, everything changed in an instant. For some of us, it's an ongoing process, and that's okay. Zacchaeus experienced what Tyler said last week. Jesus is the treasure. He's the true treasure. Don't you long for that? With all of our struggles and unrest and anxieties, can you and I come down from whatever tree we have climbed looking for something that is not going to satisfy? Jesus is our true treasure. Let's gaze on that treasure. We see Zacchaeus with joy, and we see an amazing generosity coming from him. He shares his life with Jesus, and then he shares to the people who hated him because of his treachery. He did it because he had claimed the true treasure. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus is saying that Zacchaeus had experienced salvation and it shows. Zacchaeus is not giving to gain a salvation. He has it and he is demonstrating it. We likewise are a blessed people and blessed people bless others with all that we are. Look at the name Zacchaeus. It means ironically pure and he was made pure by Jesus and look what happens. He starts giving himself away. His money had been his identity, but not now. He returned it and he gave to the poor. He did not give his money so that he could be made pure. He was made pure and then he gave it away in a most generous way. Zacchaeus went from being all about his kingdom to God's kingdom. As Tyler mentioned, our subseries is about generosity, and we see it in the life of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gave it away. What about us? How do you and I do with blessing others with our lives and our resources? In our summer series from Proverbs, I spoke on generosity and gave this definition. Generosity is our giving ourselves and our resources for the benefit and blessing of others. I believe that Zacchaeus gave far more than money. He shared his home with Jesus immediately and his repentant attitude, restoring his ill-gotten gains, shows the heart of a man who saw people differently in an instant. Some traditions have it that a man named Zacchaeus in the early church was later named Bishop of Caesarea. We don't know if it's the same man. We introduced last week our Thanksgiving initiative of blessing some of our partners in Greece, working with the trafficked women and in Israel, helping with the van repair for the church ministry in Bethlehem, and then with the Unity Fund, providing to minorities the opportunity for theological education so that new churches can be started. Weekly, we mention bringing our tithes and our offerings. We get to participate 
It is not something we do to gain God's favor. We do it because we have already been given God's favor. We get to give through Orangewood to support the ministry here and in our community and around the world. And we give not only of our resources, but of our very lives. As we look post-COVID, we are planning opportunities for us to be able to serve here in church, in community, and around the world. Let me give a follow-up from Tyler's message last week. He spoke of the Douglas family, which gave the property in North Carolina for Young Life's Windy Gap Camp and Retreat Center. The next day, Tyler received a call from Sam Huber of Bright Light Books saying, you won't believe what came into the store, a book titled Windy Gap. Well, in reading it, Tyler found a beautiful quote he could really used last week, but it was too late. So he generously passed it on to me. Mr. Douglas, a very successful and savvy businessman, prior to going to be with the Lord, said, Windy Gap is the best investment I ever made. It was not just their money, however. It was their lives they invested. They continued to have a cabin there at Windy Gap, and they, particularly Sarah, the wife, poured her life into the staff and the youth at the camp. The reason he could say that Windy Gap was the best investment he ever made was that truly this gift of generosity had and continues to impact the lives of a countless number of young men and women, along then with those that they have impacted, all for the glory of Christ. Praise the Lord for the Douglas family. Praise the Lord for the ministry of young life. Praise the Lord that was part of Tyler's path to Orangewood Church. Praise the Lord. Spurgeon said simply of generosity, invested in God's kingdom. May God take us and who we are and our resources and make them powerful investments in his kingdom. Generosity is our giving ourselves and our resources for the benefit and blessing of others. The implication of this are myriad and they're daily. The decisions you can make, you will make, will be generous or not. How you respond to other people will be generous or not. How you share who you are and what you have will be generous or not. It might impact your driving. It might impact the words we use with each other. Be generous in extending patience and kindness and forgiveness to each other. What are we willing to forego in order to serve another? That is generosity. The opportunities to be generous for the benefit and the blessings of others never stops. Generosity is to be a lifestyle. Who knows when God is going to take our generosity and make it into another windy gap for the glory of God and for the good of others. Wrapping up, we have seen the little man, the great Jesus, the amazing result. And now 
we see what is behind it all, the beautiful plan. Listen to verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Remember, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus saved the lost Zacchaeus, and he was then a blessing to others, not just those he had ripped off, but to the poor also. Then Jesus saves us. We are part of his mission, what he came to seek and to save. If we have never come down out of that tree, just looking at Jesus. May we come down today. May we, like Zacchaeus, receive Jesus. There will be great joy, a peace, a generosity that shows to whom we belong, the truly generous one. There will be a giving of ourselves and our resources for others. We will not hold on to our pride and our preferences and our stuff so tenaciously, we will think about others as more important than ourselves. In this passage, looking at Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus, we see a number of truths. Your physical stature has nothing to do with your standing before God. We see the truth. We don't have, a, we don't have to climb a tree. We just need a heart that is open to Jesus. We see the truth that we are all little people, little in the sense that we cannot save ourselves. We may not be tax collectors, but we have the same need that Zacchaeus had. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. We have much to learn on the issue of generosity. How we view that and everything else in life depends on how we view the cross of the Lord Jesus. The size of the cross matters. For many, the cross is an incidental. It is small and unimportant. It is nothing more than a piece of jewelry. Jesus came into Jericho, but he was only passing through. His mission was leading to Jerusalem his final week to the cross. I challenge you to see the big cross in all its importance and meaning. Jesus shed his blood there for Zacchaeus and for you and for me. As we go into Thanksgiving, may we in this crazy year be a grateful people, giving ourselves and our resources to bless others, investing in God's kingdom for the glory of Christ. Jesus changes everything. It did for Zacchaeus and it does for us. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for what we see today from your word. Thank you for taking the initiative to encounter us in your amazing generosity. We know that we keep wandering away from you. Thank you for your grip on us, that it is firm and it is secure. In these difficult times, give us again your joy and let it show on our faces and in our lives for the blessing of others. Build your church. May we be invested in your kingdom 
May Christ be praised. Amen.